0: Welcome to the Basilea Hollywood Podcast, a community of friends committed to the message and practice of Jesus and His Kingdom. So God, we just thank you for Chris and we thank you for this um, message of hope that he's going to bring to us today that, um, no matter what's going on, like the bigger picture is hope and love and faith. Today he's going to be talking about hope. So I just, um, I pray that we would, um, perceive that. And, um, I pray it now for his back in Jesus name, bring healing. We believe that you do guys stretch out your hands to Chris in Jesus name. We pray that you would come Holy spirit. And then your mystery, um, fill him, and heal his back now. Amen. Does it feel any different? No. Okay. Thank you, though. All right. So, today is Palm Sunday. Two thousand, almost two thousand years ago, on this day, an Easter bunny walked, and, uh, no, that's so... I know, it's so silly we we celebrate that, but um, Jesus came into Jerusalem, and they laid down palm fronds, and called him the Savior, and called him the Messiah, and uh, and then a week, little, less than a week later, they killed him, and so the theme in this sermon, yeah, is hope, and uh, Jill and I were talking about what, uh, oh, should we find another word, because hope's such a you know, it's, it's such an antiquated word. You know, yeah, you know. <laughs> it's silly. And it, because it's been used in so many ways, I just, uh, yeah, another word, another word. But hopefully we'll dust it off today and we'll, and we'll refresh it. Because a lot of times it gets a bad rap because we're putting our hope in the wrong things. And the Bible tells us to set our hope fully on the grace to be given us when Jesus Christ is revealed. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Set our hope fully on the grace to be given us when Jesus Christ is revealed. A lot of times I'm just setting it partially, if, if that. I'm just setting a little bit of my hope on there. I diversify because we shouldn't put all our eggs in one basket. It seems like wise, but it's, yeah, in a basket. But really, it's, we're going to be let down and our hope's gonna going to just drop out of our life if it's on anything in this life. Because everything in this life is going to let us down. We know that, but do we really know that? Um, Actually, I I saw a picture of Lucia the other day. Lucia went to tea the other day, and when they brought out the desserts, her face, the the picture of her face was like, like it was amazing. Was that amazing when those desserts came out? It's amazing. And were your cousins too? That's amazing. There's so much joy and hope in a child. There's so much joy and hope. (laughs) <laughs> she was so excited about it. She was so excited about it. But the funny thing is there's also, there's, a, there's another side to that, is that sometimes they get sad about some things, some silly things too, like bedtime or the dark or you have to put a toy away. and You can't play with the toy anymore. Or you can't have a toy. And it's a little silly, but they, they cry and they make it throw a tantrum. Yeah, there's two sides of the coin. But luckily we have our parents there to guide us into a, usher us into a new hope. The hope is not in the toy. The hope is not in going to bed. And you're going to see your friends the next day. You're going to see us the next day. Dark's not, not anything to be scared about. And so we have this guide that guides us into a better hope. But I think what happens is we get to be teenagers. And this, this period of disillusionment happens. This disillusionment where we find out Santa Claus is not real. Like when you're 18 or so, you know, like I did. Um, Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, all these things are not and oh yeah, yeah yeah, gotcha, 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 yeah. One audience member. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm just joking. So we go through this disillusionment, and we uh, and our parents, they, they do their best. You guys do your best to guide us onto a, to, a, to a deeper hope. But a lot of times we end up inheriting the hopes from our parents and 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 their parents and their parents, and a lot of times, they're not equipped to guide us to that next, to Jesus in that way. Like, my parents, you know, my parents didn't know Jesus. And so they weren't able to guide me to Jesus. So I had to kind of find this, you know, I had to kind of put my hope in other things around me. And there's always an imperfection, an imperfection of, of, uh, of that transfer of hope. And, then, and so we kind of stay in that state, and it causes us to be cynical and hold on to some bitterness, and, and it stays with us. Unless we transfer that hope into something else, everything in this life is gonna let us down, and so we're gonna be continually cynical and bitter, and we won't mature onto that final stage because the truth of the matter is, I don't have anyone in my life, oh, I've made one person, I mean, me, Don Williams, who can like, say, oh, like, who can look at me like, like I look at a child. When I, see, like, I hear a child crying about not getting a toy, I can go, oh, it's okay, Like it's gonna get better. Like, like that's, not, that's not that big of a deal. I probably have one person in my life that can say, oh, that cancer, that, that death, like sickness, war, oh, it's, it's okay. Like Jesus came to save us, and we have hope in heaven. We have hope now, and we have hope in heaven. It's, there's only one person in my life that can actually can look at me in the eye and say that and have such peace about them. And a lot of times I think about, I wonder if the angels look at us that way, like we look at kids, going, oh, look, at their, they're getting so sad about that. That's, oh, that's that's so sad. They're getting so sad about that. Death is really weighing on them. It's really weighing on them. Because the truth of the matter is those things don't have any bearing on our true hope and our true happiness and our true joy. Amen? Those things have no bearing on our true happiness, our true hope, and our true joy. So, yeah. We need to be disillusioned. This illusion really means is to, is to let go of this illusion, to, to get away from, to, to let that illusion die with us, this illusion that there's hope in this life. It's okay to get excited about things, and actually the more hope you have in heaven, the more excited you can get about life because your hope's not in it. You, you're, you don't have an, a huge investment in it. You can actually appreciate life as being icing on the cake because you already have the cake. But if you start treating, yeah, you have the cake. But if you start treating life like it's cake, that's when cynicism just comes in and it does not leave until you kill that. So the setup today in, in scripture is a, about a guy named Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph, he's, he's a little little bit in each book of the, of the Bible, each book of the gospel. And so he was a member of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin's is the one that, that that uh, pretty much got Jesus killed. They're the one that just passed him over to, to, to Pilate and to the Romans and said, get, this, get rid of this guy. He's a member of that. He's well-to-do. He's upstanding. He was a secret disciple of Jesus. Secrets. He was, he was afraid of, of his peers. He was afraid of the Jews, what they would do to him if he, if he didn't, yeah, if, if he came out for him. So he was a secret disciple. So this week, you see, 2,000 years ago, back 1,000 years, so about 3,000 years ago, they, they started talking about a Messiah coming. So people, the Jews have been waiting for this Messiah to come into their lives, and it looks like he's here. And he comes in today, and everyone's excited that the hope is, is just soaring in Jerusalem. But then five days, a week later, he's dead on the cross. And, and, and along with him, the hopes have died of many. The hero of the Bible has died. This is one of the darkest points of scripture, that the main protagonist has died. And so this is where we pick up here. Let's, uh, let's pull up, um, this is Matthew 27. So Jesus has just died. As the evening approached, there came a rich man named, from Arimathea named Joseph who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body and Pilate Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. Okay, so this is all he gets. This is, this is his little con- contribution. At the lowest point in the Bible, when Jesus, when Jesus was alive, this guy would not come out of hiding and would not publicly align himself with him. But something snapped within him, something switched. And suddenly he's, he's aligning himself with the enemy of the state someone who just got executed, and the enemy of all his peers and all his his contemporaries. He's pretty, pretty much committing social and political suicide by, by going to Pilate and aligning himself with this enemy of the state. But not just the enemy of the state, an enemy of the state who's dead, who can't help him anymore. Like, so why did he do this? Like, like, I'm, I'm trying to think, Like, what would it take for us to take that step, that bold step? Jesus' disciples weren't even there. They didn't do anything with his body. They didn't try to get his body. The guys that had walked with him, that he he had spent three years with, they weren't. Where where were they? So we're going to explore why, why he did this, and why the disciples didn't do that, and why they weren't there. So I played baseball growing up, and uh, there was one of the first prayers I ever prayed because we didn't grow up going to church. Was God help us win this game? Help us win this game, and, and it's, and even as so I was sitting there in the outfield that one day, it, uh, the first time I remember praying it, it was almost like this sense I had of like, oh, that, why don't I just ask to win the whole championship? Like, what, 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 like, like okay, yeah, 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 because a game is just one game. Let, let's win the championship, Let, let's, let's go for the big. So, so I prayed, God, if we don't win this game, like help us to win this game, if we, but if not, help us to win the championship. Help us to win the championship. And sure enough, we lost that game. I remember it clearly. And I did this several other times. But I I kid you not, we won six out of nine championships in those years. Six out of nine. And I learned something. I had some experience at this young age of of seeing this like almost, it was almost as if God was saying, Is that is that all you're hoping for, really? Just to win a game? Ask for something bigger. Ask for something more than that. Raise your hopes. Because a game is not going not gonna to get you anything. The, the championship is what, and, and sure enough, we would, we would lose a lot of games. And we'd come into the playoffs, if you understand brackets with March Madness, we'd come in like in the middle or the lower part of the bracket, which is really hard because you play the best teams first, and somehow we would win. And, and you'd, you'd look back and I'd be like, oh my gosh. It would cushion the blow of the loss of the game, knowing that there was a better hope to come. There's something bigger, something more I wanted. It would cushion the blow of the loss. And I think we need to realize the hope that we have in Jesus. It's that term is thrown on a lot, and we need to realize it and make it real to us because if we don't, every loss we have is going to knock us on our feet, make us go into despair, and it's going to be devastating. Yeah. The disciples, I think, were focused on that game. They were so focused on the idea that Jesus was arrested, one, and and convicted, and all of a sudden he's going to die. And and I think that wasn't in their, they weren't expecting that. And so they were so focused on the loss that they weren't able to respond to something else, something bigger that was going on. I also played football, and uh, this is sports day here of examples. And I, uh, I really wanted to go to the NFL when I was younger. I was, I was really adamant about it. All my, my, my focus was on that. Grades, extracurricular activities. I, I, I could count the number of parties I went to in high school probably on, on these hands right here. Like I was so focused. I didn't go out much. Uh, I was a social guy, but I just didn't, after school, I was just, nope, you focus. And I had this plan in my head. I was like, okay. Um, I looked at my heroes in the NFL, and I was like, okay, they went to, usually they went to D1 schools, Division I uh, colleges, and they played for them. They got scholarships there, so that's what I need to do. I need, I need to do, and so all my focus was that. I slept with the football. I slept with the football in my hands. And, uh, and then sure enough, like, senior year came around, and th- there were some invitations to play Division II, but, but they didn't have scholarships. And there were some invitations to play Division One, but they didn't offer a scholarship. There were smaller schools too, and some I don't know what I did. I, I just something in me just, I didn't. I I just gave it up. I just gave up. And I I don't know if it was a conscious thing, but I just let go of the dream because in my mind, I I, I, had, I had a track, I had a plan, and if and if I didn't get on the on the if I wasn't on that track then if it derailed, there wasn't a plan in my head of me getting back on that track. It was like oh I missed the boat. I I missed that. I, I, there's there's no possible way now. Which just sounds silly, but the time seems so real. And that's easy for us to look at this story and go, oh yeah, I would have taken Jesus off the cross. I would have done that because he was gonna rise from the dead. That's our we have 2020 hindsight there. 2020 vision, you know? They didn't see that. The disciples didn't see that, Joseph didn't see that. But yet there was something in him. What was in him that made him do that? I had friends in college too that ended up walking on the team. I went to a Division I school, but not I didn't play. And I had friends that weren't that good of athletes that walked on the team and got to be a part of the team. And I was like, wait, how'd you guys make that? I was just because in my in my mind, I didn't think I could make it. I just I just gave up on a dream because I was more I had my hope in a plan. I didn't have my hope in God. In baseball, I had my hope in God. And 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 not in the plan, like 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 you'd think a championship. You'd think is winning all the games and then winning the title. No, it, it, it didn't look like it. But somehow, somehow we did it. And the disciples, I think they just they they didn't have a grid. They didn't have the operating space in their minds. That their their idea of what a savior was, their idea and their plan of what how a savior would operate within a a, a spectrum. It was this, this dying was not on the spectrum. And I think they were just paralyzed. They were just like, okay, what, what do we do now? Like, kind of like I was paralyzed in college. I, I just didn't know what to do. I was like, okay, this is, this is over. This is done. And they just gave up. But why did this guy not give up? If he was a, a I mean, this guy was, he didn't walk with Jesus. He was, he was a secret disciple. He was, he was scared of the Jews. Like he was, he, he had fear having a grip on him. How come he did this? I think he. One of the scriptures says he was waiting for the kingdom. He knew that, that even Jesus was dead, sure, but God wasn't dead. God didn't die on the cross. Like I mean, in, in the in the big picture, in the big scheme of things, how we understand the Trinity, God wasn't dead right there. And I think he saw that. I think he saw that there. Whether whether he believed that that Jesus was a prophet at that point and said, okay, maybe he's just a prophet, and maybe, but God can raise up another Messiah. Or maybe he thought that Jesus was going to rise from the dead and remembered that Jesus had said that, even though everyone else forgot that. Maybe he remembered it. But he had, he had hope somehow. He had hope. And the reason I think he had hope is because he had experience. He was older than the disciples, and he had the maturity to see, to spend years of watching watching crops come out of nothing, watching watching things happen that you would never have expected in your life. I mean, this is another sports reference here. sorry today. This Super Bowl this year, Super Bowls are are silly. I I, I get that they're silly, but I will say this. This Super Bowl was the most amazing Super Bowl in the history of, of sports because in the fourth quarter, at the very end of the game, Vegas odds, the mathematical odds of the Patriots winning was 1%. The mathematical odds was 1%. And they did it. Somehow they did it. And 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 there's a whole, there's articles, people were, Vegas was shocked. Vegas didn't, because Vegas deals in odds. And they were shocked. They could not believe this mathematical impossibility of 1%, that someone had actually used that 1%. But I think about my life, and I give up When it's 40% chance, when there's 29% chance, when there's 30% chance, that's when I give up because it's like, oh, it's not a majority, so what are the chances? But I'm gonna miss out on so much in life and you guys are gonna miss out on so much in life if we don't deal in those odds and thrive in those odds because that's the kingdom right there. The kingdom is against all odds. Abraham, against all hope and hope believed in God. Abraham was old, and his, and his wife was old. There was no chance of kids, and, some, and somehow it happened. We, we have a friend, actually, that we just found out yesterday. She's in menopause, and now she's pregnant. She was in menopause, and it was the, 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 the boat had left, and somehow she's pregnant now. The, the, there's crazy miracles that happen all the time. And our hope is not in those miracles. Our hope is not in in. Some, some good thing happening. Our hope is in God who makes good things happen. Our hope is in God who allows, who works all things together for good. That's what our hope is in. I don't think, and I don't even think Joseph knew what he was doing. I don't think, I don't think he knew the significance of what he was doing. I think he was just doing what we thought was right. He's like, this guy loved me this guy like, could be the savior, he, maybe not, I'm not sure if he's the savior, but you know what, this guy loved me and I'm gonna take care of him. I'm gonna, he deserves me, finally, I'm just gonna come out to everybody and say I'm a disciple, I'm gonna take him down from the cross and put him in the tomb. And I don't think he had any idea. I think he thought he was burying hope. He thought he was burying a bloody corpse, but he was planting hope. He was planting a savior. And the only difference between burial and planting is what happens after. They look identical. Burials and, and plantings look identical, but what happens after is what matters. And ha- we can look at the facts of our life, we can, look at, we can look at doctor's reports, we can look at prognosis, we can look at so many facts that tell us that, that we're being buried, that tell us that we have no hope. But Jesus said there's something, set your hope fully and the grace to be given you. The grace that, that happened on that cross, that defeated death, that canceled out our sins for all time, that forgave us permanently, that accepted us permanently, and that enters us into relationship permanently with God access to all his goodness to all his grace, to all his love he's poured out our heart, his hope and his love upon our hearts and and I'm I've seen God do so many hopeful things in my life, I've seen him save my mom's life so many times, through through doctor's reports, I've seen great and, and my life now is so much more amazing than it would have been had I not have hope but I have so much further to go I have so much more to go in my life because I, I hear about ISIS, I, I hear about the state of this country, I hear about the, the, the way things are, and, and the facts are scary. They're meant to be scary, but, but God is greater than the facts. He's greater than our hearts. He's greater than all this. And I need, I need hope. I need to set my hope fully on God to, to love ISIS, to bless ISIS. I need, I need God to set my, hope, my, set my hope fully on God so I, can, so I can be free to love my enemies and bless them to bless the racists in my life, to bless the, the systemic racism and, the, and the, the corruption in this world and in our, in our government. I, I, need, I need his hope for that. Because I, I just get so, like, what's the point? And I'm sure the disciples felt that, like, what's the point? He's dead. like you know, Take him down from the cross and oh, put him in a little grave. What's the point? It's over. It wasn't over. And we know that now, but it's hard in the moments to see that. Abraham, against all hope and hope, believed because he, he believed in a promise. God had told him that, that your descendants are gonna come from Isaac, your, this son. And so when, when he, God says, go sacrifice Isaac, he goes, okay, this is outside of my grid. This is outside of what I know you to be, God. This is way outside of that. I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you, God. I don't know what you're doing, but you can raise, maybe you can raise him from the dead. You know, he reasoned that he could raise him from the dead. And we need to, to reason that, that God can do way more in our life than we see him doing. Because, and here's the thing, is that I know my life is probably going to get a lot worse than it is now. If you look at things like, I'm going to die someday. I'm probably going to get a sickness and die someday. Or get hit by a car or Something. Or, uh, you know, the, there's, there's tragedy coming for all of us. That's no reason to feel down. The, 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 life is going to get darker in, at times, but hopefully our, the light within us is going to get brighter. The light within us is going to get so much brighter. And, and so when, when, we're, when we're in the middle of things, we'll be saying, oh, yeah, like, like oh, gosh, that sucks. So I have cancer? Oh, shoot, okay. Well, I, that really sucks. All right, and um, I want to be here in this life, but you know what? I have, I'm going on to a much better life if I don't, but, but maybe he'll heal me. Actually, maybe he'll heal me and I can be here longer and be with my family longer. Or maybe he'll take me away and I'll, be able, and I'll miss them for a second or 40 years, but then they'll be with me. They'll be with me again. And that's the hope we have. Set our hope fully on him. I don't get what you're doing, God, but I, I know you're up to something good. That should be the motto of our life. I don't get what you're doing, but I know you're up to something good. Mm. The Bible says, if in this life only we have hope, we're to be most pitiful of all people. If in this life only we have hope, most pitied, I hope somewhere else. And because we know that and we live that when we set our hope fully, when I take my hope off of all the things in my life that I have my hope in right now, right now, this minute, I have my hope in a lot of other things. When I do that, I free myself up to really enjoy the gifts he's given me and be grateful for what he's given me. And it cushions the blows of life when we know our hope is somewhere else. So we're going to spend a little time in prayer, and then, uh, then I want you guys to, to partner up with someone or pair up with someone and, and talk about some things. We have some questions up here, but uh, I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to have these questions come up. But the questions are, are basically this. We, what hope, what plans, what ideas do we have our hope attached to right now? What in your life is, is your, your, are you attached to? Is your hope attached to? How your life should look, how your faith should look, how God should be in your life, how the people in your life should be. What is your hope attached to you right now? And get honest, because that's the only way we get healed. And the second question, what area in your life do you need hope? And the third question, what promise do you need to hear from God? Because promises are what sprout hope within us. When we cling to promises, when we put them up in our, on our walls and our cars and, and look like, like a beautiful mind and just putting it around our house, we can remind ourselves of promises. When we have people in our life to remind us of promises, that's when we can have hope. That's when we can rise above our circumstances and mourn and feel and, and cry but have our hope somewhere else. So Pray with me here. God, I pray we would know your hope this morning. And that you'd show us how to to let go of the things we have hope for in this life. To give them to you and, and to receive all of you. To place all of the hopes that we've had since our youth, since we were children. All that excitement, that hope, we'd place it onto you. All our desires, all our our expectations, we'd place them onto you, God. And that you'd minister to our hearts right now and that you'd you'd unravel the cynicism, you'd unravel and melt away the the bitterness, the areas of our heart that lack hope, the areas that are starved in our spirit that we need you to speak into and bring refreshment into you. You'd speak to us, God. And that you'd speak to us a specific promise right now, that we'd hear a promise from you that is for us. We thank you so much for for being our hope. We thank you so much for rescuing us from this life. We thank you so much for dying on the cross for all our sins and justifying us and accepting us and giving us your perfection and giving us relationship with you for eternity. We pray these things in your name, God. Amen.